Blog Talk Radio. Folks, good morning. I hope everyone's having as well as a morning as I am. I've already been up this morning. Every morning I go and and look around at the different Christmas decorations. You know, this this weekend, Santa Claus shows up at our big local community mall. We call it the Commons. It's gigantic. People come from miles around to go shopping. They've got the big Christmas tree going up. The kids and Paige and I will be out there having just a, a blast. And you know what? It's the season for that. It's fun. But at the same time, we all sit around and we say, can we make it? You know, is our business going to grow? Is it going to fail? And I sit there and I look and I think to myself, how many times do we, we try something and it gets a little tough, it gets a little hard, and we quit? And we look at ourselves and say, could I have done something different? Could I have could I have said something different? Could I have closed that deal? Could I have called more people? And sometimes that's what it is, totally. But at other times we've gone down the wrong road. We're 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 trying to sell something that we don't have faith in, we don't believe in. It's ironic that we're coming up to chapter eight, death of a salesman, the art of selling by serving. I was on a long conversation yesterday with a dear, dear friend of mine. Frustration. And one of the things that I'd said to him, and I had not read this chapter yet, it's just something that I truly believe in my heart. I said, if you cannot trust the owner of the company, then you need to leave because you will never be able to sell for that company. We're going to get into that. Dave shares a story. He says, picture in your mind three upscale custom homes side by side, immaculately furnished. Every detail in these homes were meticulously analyzed to make you want to own one when you walked through it. The presentation of the master bedrooms were complete with Rose petals floating in the oversized jacuzzi tub. It just screamed romance. And here it was Dave's turn to be setting, waiting for people to come in so he could make another sale. And if you've been in real estate or you've studied anything about real estate sales, then you understand these guys are the best of the best. They watch what type of car They look and see what kind of shoes you're wearing. They look to see the watch and the rings, the the earrings that you're wearing. Everything. They, They got it down to a science. Or so Dave thought. One morning, hot July, here comes a Crown Vic with no hubcaps. Brand new car, no hubcaps on the car. Out jumps a guy he calls Chris. Wearing a scraggly T-shirt and jeans with holes in them. In this story, long before we were paying extra money for jeans with holes in them. Quickly, he looks at Chris and realizes this dude's just out for a stroll. He's just wanting to see what the other side lives like. He didn't give Chris much time. He'd answer a few questions, gave him a brochure, and off he went. 
That Sunday afternoon, Chris shows up again in the same old Crown Vic, no hubcaps, but this time he's got his wife and a whole passel of kids, five of them. And Dave's thinking, dude, I don't have time for this. This is my busiest day of the week. This is how I'm going to make my money. Chris's wife's looking around, and Dave's helping the lady with the big fat diamond rings in her ears. And his wife asks a few questions. And and finally, Chris comes over, and after Dave's been done with all the other customers, nobody else to talk to but Chris, he says, hey, can you tell me how much that house over there, the big two-story one, would be? Now, Dave, being the ethical guy that he is, didn't want this guy to get upside down. So he started telling him why he couldn't afford that. The guy goes, no, you don't understand. I'd like to put a basement underneath it, though. I want to know how much extra that's going to be. So he just went through the whole thing. You can't afford this home, and and this is what it's going to cost you, and the interest rate would kill you. It'd be this amount of much money a month. And the guy got a really weird look on his face, and Dave says, what? And the guy goes, I just want to know if it's okay if I pay cash. All of a sudden, Dave's whole attitude changed. From not having time with the guy to having time with him. See, the guy had created some software, sold it to a company. That company had just gone public, and this guy was a multimillionaire. The only thing Dave got right was in his mind. He thought he was probably trailer trash, and he found out he had started out living in a trailer. Our ego sometimes gets in our way. Dave is 22 years old. I've been there, done that. I was selling financial services with A.O. Williams. Top that out and put it on top that I was a Marine. You just think you're invincible. But see, selling is what we're doing. And I know right now those that are listening are freaking out because I'm using selling Troy, it's MLM, it's network marketing, it's the direct sales profession. Everything we do in life is a sale. When I'm sitting here talking to customers, clients, distributors on the telephone, it's a sale. I have customers, they call on the phone. I have clients, they call on the phone. You may, maybe you have patients, they call on the phone. You're making a sale. Why is it whenever whenever you call and you want something, it's okay for somebody to sell you something? Why is it you have no problem at Christmas time going in and letting the dudes at Best Buy tell you which one of the electronics you ought to buy? Why is it you have no problem going to the doctor and having the doctor tell you this is the best prescription for what's ailing you? How, how do you know that? You're an uneducated consumer. So am I. Why is it we go to an attorney and we listen to what they say? See, they're all in the sales profession. So are you. Listen to what Dave says here. Selling and selling properly is not only essential to business, but it is also a part of life. Henry Ford, one of my heroes in business, says nothing happens until someone sells something. I had to court Paige for several years before I finally closed that sale. See, we've got to understand that we are always selling. The question is that you've got to ask yourself is why do you hate salesmen? Is it because they're pushy? 
manipulative. You've made you've made some buys, and then when you got home, you said, "I ain't doing this," and you've canceled it, or you got stuck and couldn't cancel it. See, what we have to do is learn how to do selling right. And I'm going to use this from a network marketing perspective today. See, when selling's done right, it's an honorable and noble profession. Network marketing, MLM, direct sales, no matter what the dull, negative, disillusioned, crybaby critics want to say, is one of the greatest opportunities in America today. If people will take the time to understand that it's a selling process, but most of the critics, and sadly, most people in network marketing that are not succeeding don't want to make a sale. Now, I'm going to step on your toes for a minute. But the real, the reality is you don't want to work hard. The critics never wanted to work hard. They wanted to believe the cockamamie, crappy hype that comes down from the majority of people that I've listened to or seen their Internet websites talking about how you can make all this money and you can do all this stuff and you don't have to make a sale. You don't have to work. We'll guarantee you success. We'll give you spillover. Join our binary and we'll, we'll make sure we're putting people under you in the power leg. You're really looking for a pyramid scheme, not a business. Well, today we're going to be talking about what happens when you learn that it's okay to make a sale and you learn how to do it right. And we're not going to cover everything. I'm going to tell you that right now. But you need to understand that every step, everything that that is out there is part of the process. And there's four major steps that you have to master. You might be a top distributor right now, just mad as a hornet, and you're going to call me when the show's over. You still have to master these four steps. And by the way, you can't call me when this show's over because I'm guest hosting on my son's show. So you got to wait till 10 o'clock. Here's the four steps. Write these down because they're important, and you cannot bypass one of them. Number one is the qualification or the prospecting. Okay, How are you going to make a sale if you don't have qualified prospects? So qualification, step number one. Number two, rapport or what I call trust. Number three is the education or the, or the information that you're giving, and number four is the close. If you ignore one of the steps, if you try to skip one of the steps, if you try to do them out of order, you're going to get a backlash. People will quit. People won't sign up. You'll have wasted your time. Let's look at them in order. Qualification. Dave writes, qualifying buyers is the most overlooked and ignored step in the buying process. Failing to qualify buyers will virtually guarantee a horrible experience for both the seller and the potential buyer for both the sponsor and the prospect, the sponsor and the downline. If you try to convince an unqualified buyer to buy, it's an irritating, frustrating, and maddening experience, and they will say network marketing sucks. Why is it that most network marketers want to want to giggle and say, oh, I don't have any friends left? <laughs> Why is it that the critics always say, I don't have any friends left? <laughs> because they went out there and they didn't qualify people. Just because they're your friends and family doesn't make them a qualified prospect. If I've got a guy that just loves McDonald's, he doesn't mind being 5 million pounds overweight, he's going to be eating a McDonald's lunch and breakfast and dinner and snacks in between. 
Don't try to bring him into your Vaisalus business. It isn't going to work. He's not going to join you over there at Beyond Organics to eat good food. He may, he may, if he has a lot of money, he may join you at Rustelli Direct because he wants quality hamburgers. He wants Tony Luke's Philly Steak Sandwich. But if you're not in Rustelli Direct and you're in Visalis and you believe in losing weight and living healthy, it ain't going to do you a hill of beans. But see, too many times we're taught everybody wants a home-based business. Everybody's your prospect. Anybody comes in and talks to you within the three-foot rule, it doesn't work that way. I uh, I indirectly met a met a person today. His his company name is the is J Edwards Enterprises. I was in Walmart and I needed to go check my blood pressure. I go over and I put my hand in the blood pressure sleeve in that little booth they have and push the button. And this guy is a is, is good because he has he's with the Financial Destinations FDI. They're part of the Longevity uh, uh, family of companies. And they give away a discount card for prescriptions. I'm in the drug section. There's his card. Guess what? If I'm sitting there getting my blood pressure taken and his card's there, it's a pretty good idea that I'm probably a pretty good prospect for prescriptions. I mean, that makes sense. See, you've got to be able to qualify the prospect. Now, you may be saying, okay, I'm going to qualify my next prospect. I'm looking around my neighborhood, Troy. I've heard you say in the past that the people in my neighborhood's probably going through the same thing in life that I am, so they've probably got a little bit of money since I live on an island here in the in the panhandle of Florida. Okay, so maybe they've got money. That is a good step. Dave says a qualified prospect has the money or can get the money to make the person, I mean the purchase. Not everyone has money, but on smaller purchases, most do. And if it's a big purchase, you know what, if they prioritize their money, if it really means something to them, they will find the money. Prime example, and Dave uses this, a person that's dead, busted, broke, has nothing, and going bankrupt always seems to find that $1,000 cash to pay the attorney. The next thing, qualified prospects have the time. See, <clears throat> Dave uses a thing, and I'm going to use a different one, but it's the same thing. I have the money to do a lot of things, but I don't have the time to do a lot of things. Trying to take care of a family that, that has six children in the household, a wife that's a romance writer, teenage girls that have cars that have to be worked on and moved around and, and places to go, watching the kids at certain times, having that fa- I don't have the time to do a lot of stuff. I just don't, it just ain't going to happen. So there's other people that away. The third thing in qualifying a prospect is their needs and their wants. Listen to what Dave writes here. This is good. A qualified person, a qualified prospect has the need or the want. Few of us in America have basic needs that aren't met. We often say we need something that is simply a want. However, simply wanting something is one of the things that makes a qualified prospect. If somebody really wants to lose weight, they want to live healthy, they want to get into a organic lifestyle, they don't need to do any of that stuff. They may just be healthy and not overweight a real big deal. Guess what? They're a good prospect for you. Maybe they want to be a millionaire and you're in financial services. This would be a great time for you to talk to them. 
See, that's, that's, that's a good deal. A qualified prospect has the power. This is big. Just because you're talking to somebody doesn't mean they have the power to make the decision. I learned this a long time ago, and when I was in the field, the majority of the time, I would not bring somebody onto my team unless we talked to the spouse. Because I guess I'm a little old-fashioned. But before decisions made, we're going to find out how mama feels about it. I see so many divorces in network marketing, and, and not at the bottom but at the top, that I know somewhere along the line there wasn't any communication. You have to communicate. I would tell you all the time, you better talk to a spouse before you sign that person up. And you're saying, but Troy, I won't I won't meet my numbers. You won't have large attrition either if you do this right. Second, building rapport or adding trust to that relationship. Dave says the second step of the buying selling process to build rapport. Building rapport gives the buyer a chance to trust you, your company, your idea, your product. Listen, folks. The very first thing they're going to see is your marketing, your branding. If it's on Facebook and you're the CEO of a company and you've got the most beautiful, sexy wife in the world and and she's out in this thong bikini all the time and her boobs are hanging out about half the time and she's just hot and you love that, that's probably not a good image for the public. I, I would make that a little bit more private. It's that plain and simple. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat that. I, I've got great CEOs in network marketing with beautiful wives, and it amazes me how many times they stick stuff up on Facebook, and I'm thinking, you guys are clueless to what it means for marketing. That image, that website, when that company launches, you don't have, you don't get a second chance. Oops, I made a mistake. It better be rocking first time out. That 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 online funnel system... It better be rocking. It better be good. It better be professional. The days of just slapping a $10 website up is gone because people are looking at it. They're seeing that image. If you're spamming people's walls, sending out spam email, it isn't going to work. The name of the game is to build that trust, build that rapport. And that doesn't mean that you go and bad talk other companies. You need to be networking with other field leaders. I was on a call yesterday with some great leaders. We all sat on the board of the Association of Network Marketing Professionals. It was beautiful. All in different companies, talking back and forth. Always be networking. See, when you network and you build friends and you build other business acquaintances in your local area and across the world, you know what happens? When a referral is given, you get through the gatekeeper very quickly. Always be doing your research. Find out what's going on with that person that you're going to be talking to. Get to know them a little bit. Sell or prospect or attract, whatever word you use, to the other person's personality, not to yours. You would be amazed at what can happen. See, if you start selling to where the person's personality is, you'll build that trust. It's a phenomenal thing to do. It works. You need to, the, the education and the information process. <clears throat> this goes for you too. Hey, this idea that you don't need to know about your product, you don't need to know about your industry, you don't need to know about your niche, you're going to fail. You will never make it long term, ever. If you don't know what you're talking about, 
it won't work. I've got a young lady in a great company, I mean a phenomenal company, and I ask a question. Hey, do you got any caffeine in this product? No, there's no caffeine in that. Then I turned the, the bag over and looked at the ingredients. And because she didn't know her product, she didn't make a sale. You have to know your product line. You have to know what the industry is. You've got to know, get this, you've got to know your competition. It does not mean you bad talk your competition. I was on the phone last week with with an equity fund out of New York asking about the weight loss niche inside of network marketing and wanting to know the differences between the companies, the products, the products, the ingredients, the compensation plans. Because I said at a 3,000-foot view, I know the different things. I can share a little bit of the concerns that are there. I can share the pros and the cons. I can look at future trends. Well, you know what? You should be able to do the same thing. You should know your top three competitors at the very least. You should know what's coming up, what, what's on the market, what's on the horizon. Because if you can't answer simple questions for your clients, your potential clients, your prospects, your downline, somebody else will. It's that plain and simple. So you have to know this. You've got to know your product. You've got to know your competition. You've got to be proud and passionate. Listen to what Dave writes right here. Make sure you love and believe in your product and your company. I'm telling you right now, it better be you better believe in the leadership. Dave's team around him loves him. I've talked to him. Even the people that just break down and take his stuff out, they love him. An entrepreneur leader, an entrepreneur leader, as an entrepreneur leader, it is your leadership responsibility to make sure your sales team believe at their very core that they're serving the customer with the very best product, the very best everything. I get proud when I hear distributors defend their company. I get disappointed when I hear them trash other companies. You want to be passionate about your company. There's no doubt about that. You want to know without a shadow of a doubt that what you're doing is right. Dave uses an example that I think is, is perfect for this. Susie Orman is another financial service person, and she's got a great following. She's phenomenal. Her and Dave agree on a lot of things, but on a lot of things they disagree on. But Dave always praises her because there's millions of people that need financial help. And if they don't come to Dave, they need to go to somebody. If they don't come to you, they need to go to somebody else. Listen to me. We are all after the same end game, financial or health independence for our family. We want to transform the lives and live a little longer and live a little better. So why would you go around beating up everybody else just to make yourself feel better? doesn't work that way. People don't buy products and services. They buy what they do. You go out to buy a watch, you buy a watch for one of two reasons. One, you just want something so you can tell time. You want to know what time it is. The second reason you might you might buy it is because you not only want to tell time, but you bought an expensive watch because you wanted to, to tell other people that you're, you're, you're doing pretty good. It's an image. Those are the only two reasons to buy a watch. You didn't just buy it because you wanted a collection. The minority, I mean, some, some might do that. See, that's the kicker, the fourth step, closing the sale. Dave writes, if you have properly qualified the customer who you have built the rapport with, 
who you've educated with the benefits of owning what you're selling, they will naturally buy. The closing of the sale should be natural. Listen, I call this persuasion architecture. I learned it from Brian Eisenberg. See, sales is not about manipulation. Sales is about serving. Sales is about understanding that all the way through these steps to the very end process here of closing, that it's about a persuasion, getting that transference of your feeling, your passion for your product or service into that potential customer because of their want, their need. They've got to do something. When I go to Home Depot... And I talked to my buddy over in, in Hand Tools, and we're talking about drills. He doesn't ask me, hey, Troy, what kind of drill do you want? Never, ha- never has he asked me that. His question is, Troy, what kind of hole are you going to be drilling? Are you going into masonry? Are you going into wood? Are you going to be going through metal? Do you, need a, do you need a hammer drill if you're breaking up some concrete to drill that in? See what I'm saying here? If you're going to close the sale, all these steps have to be there. Does that mean every sale? You go through every step. No, not every sale is going to come to a close. But if you use a persuasion architecture, if you understand what these four steps are, listen to me. You can go over. I'm going to, this is a plug. You can go to the networkmarketingadvocates.com. I just put up a beautiful post over there, and it talks about we've got Q&A for an hour with the guys that understand how to create persuasion architecture to hit all four personalities to be able to build your website, your Facebook, whatever it is, so that you understand what it is you need to do. They wrote a great book called Waiting for Your Cat to Bark. Folks, I'm telling you, what Dave's saying here works. It is done. Now, there's some things that don't work, okay? Don't be filling out the paperwork or or walking through the process and saying, okay, now give me your credit card. We're ready. Or dropping the pen in front of them and telling them, okay, uh, sign right here. No, be professional. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Everything goes back to the golden rule. It's that plain and simple. Use the feel, felt, found method. When we get to a close, people are making that decision and their, their emotions, their nervous systems freaking out. Hey, John, I understand how you feel about this purchase. And I've had many clients who have felt the same way. What they have found was that after they became clients, they were glad that they did. That's, that's, that's very simple. The assumptive close. This technique is, is what entre leaders use and their teams use most of the time. See, you are simply filling out the paperwork. You're walking through. You're gathering information so that when it's time for the close, you're ready to be there. See, it's, it's kind of like being at a wait, restaurant. When you're ready to order, you want your waiter or waitress there to take your daggum order. You don't want them asking more questions. So just keep your daggum mouth shut. It's time for the close. Dave calls this the, the pregnant pause. He says, when it's time for the close, you ask for the close and you shut up. And you wait. If there's any questions, they're going to ask them. Or they're going to say, I'm ready to sign. People say, okay, but why is it called the pregnant close? Because it gives birth to the close. 
See, the pregnant pause will give birth to a sale. One thing about online systems, the sales funnels sometimes don't quite work right. Because what they're doing is they're pouring in all kinds of raw ingredients called leads and hoping that they can extrude a couple of prospects out the backside that are qualified. Now, it makes it a little easier. Don't get me wrong. The rejection's a little different. But if that sales funnel's not done correctly, then at the end of the day, all you have is a bunch of pre-roll leads. Nobody joined the company. See, if you don't want to die in network marketing, if you don't want this to be over in network marketing, then what you've got to do is you've got to learn these four basic steps, and you've got to master them to no end. Because when you do, the sky is the limit on where you can go. Number one is the qualification process. Number two, the rapport, building that trust. Number three, educating yourself and the prospect. And number four, making the close. That's the name of the game. Folks, tomorrow, financial peace for business, bulletproof principles for money, debt, and funding your future. Man, if you're in network marketing, you need this. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with me for RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now.